why are you here today? Hi. Uh, Tristan's taking a vacation. No, he's not. I'm kidding. He's, uh, he's, um, he's I, filling in for yes. Shanalee Vidal, who right. is taking a vacation in Hawaii. Right. I knew that, too. So, yes. So we are shuffled for yes. this week. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. it'll be nice to have you here. Thank so you're going to be you. doing the news and sports all this week on the show? Uh, for the majority of the week, I believe. Okay, good. Yes. I know you're very busy. Uh, <laughs> do you think we can do a Savannah Says uh, during the yeah, week? Yeah, I'm sure we can. By the way, this is where you email in your, your questions about life and Savannah <laughs> tells you what to do about the problem. Hal at cjob.com. See, it's that easy. It's called Savannah Says. We used to do that on the weekend show, so I'm looking forward to that. All right. Uh, I'll let you know, and hopefully we can include you in the show every once in a while. Also, uh, pushing the buttons on the show today, Mr. Jeff Forche. I heard you working yesterday, sir. Sure was. Well, some of us got the day off yesterday. You were here working hard. Working like a dog. Okay, good. And we've got a big show coming up here today. Hal Anderson Afternoon. So let me tell you what we got. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Jets. Have to. Incredible run, and really proud of this uh, city and this province and the way the team played, the way the fans handled things, all the different organizations that made these uh, whiteout street parties along whiteout way possible. Just, it was all good. There's, I mean, sure, had they won and gone on to the Stanley Cup final and and then won Lord Stanley's Cup, that would have been better. But boy, uh, so good in so many ways, and we'll obviously talk about it today. But uh, the hockey comes to an end just in time for bomber season to get ramped up. We're going to have some bomber talk for you coming up here in about 10 minutes. All right, we're going to start the show with some bomber talk. Stefano Grande will join us, the CEO of the downtown Winnipeg Biz. Talk to him about the street parties and kind of where we go from here. Talk to Stefano from the downtown Winnipeg Biz after the news with Savannah Piers at 1.30. Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, saw the movie on the weekend. I saw it as well, Deadpool 2. If you want, what do you, uh, uh, what do you think of that movie? If you saw it, give me a review. 204-780-6868, Hal at CJOB.com. Jeff and I will talk about that at about 1.45, quarter to 2. Giving away some Santa Lucia pizza. Tough trivia right off the 2 o'clock news. Got a gift card for you for Santa Lucia pizza, so get ready for a tough trivia question. At around 2.15, Greg Mackling will be here. The birthday boy. And we're going to talk Winnipeg Jets. And I love uh, talking uh, hockey and that kind of stuff with Jeff because, or with Greg because he knows the hockey, but he's all about passion, right? He's all about how it makes us feel right there. And so Greg will join me at about 2.15. James Fable will join us off the 2.30 news. Uh, Mr. Bear Clan. I see that Bear Clan, very involved in Brandon after that devastating fire out there on Saturday. And Bear Clan really seems to be like an organization that is everywhere where help is needed. And I want to talk to James Fable about that. Nikki Judy, one of our global news reporters, will also join us that half hour at about 2.45, the latest on the Brandon fire. She is out in Brandon. And I got to play for you a bit of the commencement speech at Kent State. This year, Michael Keaton, he went to Kent State. And he did the commencement speech, and he said something right at the end. He finished his speech, and it's a great speech, and he'll talk about the importance of being humble. And and I'll play a few minutes of of the speech. But then they called him back up to accept a plaque as a thank you, and he said something right at the end of his little comment there that I thought was just perfect. Michael Keaton, his commencement speech, Kent State, coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. And are you at all worried about this 
possible pilot strike at WestJet. I know a lot of people. I've got a few people in my life that are kind of <laughs> watching closely, hoping there won't be a strike. We're going to uh, replay back a, a conversation or, or some of it anyhow that uh, Mackling and McGarry had this morning with an aviation expert, Rick Erickson. All right, so all that and much, much more. And if we have time, we'll even squeeze in the latest on the search for the Loch Ness Monster. Yes, yeah, there's an update for you on the Loch Ness Monster. So as you can see, we have lots to get to. Let's take a quick break here. 109, Hal Anderson on CJOB. Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. I just wanted to say, Hal, you know what? I really think you should uh, you should run for mayor there. Well, uh, safe to say I will not be running for mayor. There you go. You heard the official announcement right here. I will be cheering on the Bombers, and you should too. I'll tell you why we're playing this in just a minute. That man, that man right there is Attica Riots. The song's called Misery, and I play them because the Bombers have announced a new home game concert series. This is very cool. On the blue and gold stage in the tailgate area and at halftime, and Attica Riots will be the first halftime act July 7th, Attica Riots. And by the way, uh, the first tailgate band, that happens June 14th, is St. Beach Boys. And then, like I said, the first uh, halftime show, Attica Riots. And they've got some other uh, great uh, bands lined up as well. Uh, Bright Righteous is going to be playing July 27th. Uh, Kendrick K, September 8th. September 21st. School of Rock, October 13th, The Proud Sons, and uh, October 26th, Jeremy and the Delicious Hounds. So some great music coming uh, with the Bomber uh, performances this year over at Investors Group Field. Really excited to see that announcement made by the Bombers this morning. So uh, some Bomber stuff for you now as we kind of shift gears. We'll obviously talk hockey uh, today and you know when there's reason to during the off season, but we are kind of switching over to the bombers and uh, knuckles. Bob Irving was on this morning with Mackling and McGarry talking about the big signing by the bombers at linebacker. Adam Bighill is now a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. I think the signing of linebacker Adam Bighill caught uh, a lot of people by surprise, even across the Canadian Football League and some of the other teams because. The assumption was that Big Hill would likely go back to the BC Lions, where he played for six years, was a four-time All-Canadian before he took a shot at New Orleans and, and uh, made the Saints last year, was cut by them just a couple of weeks ago. And I know the Bombers approached him immediately, uh, and his agent said, well, we're, we're going to take some time and see if there's any more NFL interest. And then, lo and behold, out of the blue, they, they called the Bombers and said, we're ready to come to Winnipeg. And, uh, I mean, Kyle Walters was like, wow, this is a Christmas present here in May for the Winnipeg Football Club. So they signed Adam Bighill, and uh, their linebacker situation was one that uh, had lots of question marks over it, and most of those question marks have now been removed. Bob Irving with Mackling and McGarry this morning. Here's what Matt Nichols had to say about the signing of linebacker Adam Bighill by the Bombers. 
initial thought was, you know, don't have to get hit by that train, which uh, you know, the rest of the guys in the league have to deal with now. But uh, a guy that I've had a tremendous amount of respect for, super hard worker. Um, you know, from everything I've heard about him, is uh, you know an excellent leader. It's gonna, he's gonna demand the best from the guys around him, which I think those are the guys we want around here. And and uh, I think it's honestly a great fit for this team and and Coach O'Shea and the personality of this team. So. Um, you know, I couldn't be happier about that signing, and I think that, like I said, he's going to elevate the guys around him. And, and uh, aside from all that, he's he's a playmaker that just tends to be around the ball. I mean, he had you know tons of fumble recoveries, interceptions, big hits, uh, sacks. I mean, he rushes the passer well too. So, uh, dynamic player, big signing for us. Matt Nichols on the signing of Adam Big Hill at linebacker, and Bob Irving chatted with Andrew Harris about the signing because apparently. Harris played a, well, at least some role, but it sounds like maybe he played a major role in getting Big Hill to come to Bomberland. I had a great conversation with him and just before he signed and, you know, trying to trying to recruit him a little bit and, you know, just talking about the great things that the city has to offer. So uh, I'm super pumped that uh, he decided to, 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 to make the make this make the switch and, and, and come over to come over to Winnipeg and you know he's a great asset for us I and mean, he's he's a guy who practices hard I mean I remember my first year when he came in in BC he was it was, it was almost annoying to practice against him because he's one of those guys that just is scrappy he's going to find a way to give you a charlie horse or poke you in the eye or step on your feet because he just goes so hard and uh, he, he, he talks about being a savage and he's absolutely a savage so you know he's going to be a great asset for us you know however he fits in in our defense and special teams and you know we're happy to have him for sure. I understand you talked him into coming. Yeah, I did. I mean, I've known Biggie for a while, so um, as soon as we and we have the same agent, so as soon as uh, I, I found out that he was, you know, he was done with uh, the Saints and kind of exhausted all his uh, NFL opportunities, I definitely, yeah, I texted him right away, and then we had, a, like I said, we had a 20-minute conversation the other the other night, and you know, just trying to get him to come and come through here and and uh, and help this team. So I mean, uh, you know, I told him how great the golf courses was. He likes the golf. I told him how how the, the cost of living is a lot cheaper than it is in, in Vancouver, and. Um, I mean, uh, those those are the two biggest sells for Biggie, I think. But uh, ultimately, I think he feels like we got a great great team, um, and and just just reiterating how how, how much of a uh, a good environment we have here, and uh, and, and how close knit our team is, and, and and the path we're on. And I mean, ultimately, I think he wants to come in here and, and help us win a great cup, and you know, and that's the goal for everyone on this team right now. There you go, Andrew Harris. Good that we've got uh, guys like Andrew Harris that can uh, say, hey, Winnipeg's a great spot. You should come play some football here. Adam Big Hill at linebacker. That takes care of what people saw as a potential problem for the Bombers as we get ready uh, for another season. Now, shifting gears back to hockey just for a second. Here's the question at CJOB.com. You've been voting on this all morning long. The Winnipeg Jets have been eliminated from the playoffs. Now what? Here are your choices. It was a fantastic run. We have nothing to complain about. It's too bad, but we'll get them next year. This sucks. I'm jumping I'm jumping off the bandwagon. Those are your choices. So far, and please go and vote again a minute at cjob.com if you haven't already, okay? The number one answer at 78%. It was a fantastic run. We have nothing to complain about. Good. I'm glad we're keeping the positive attitude. 16% say it's too bad, but we'll get him next year. So still, you know, positive attitude. And I'm happy to report that just 5%, only 5% are saying, this sucks, I'm jumping off the bandwagon. What do you think? 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. And I guess my simple question, uh, or a more simple question with, with less choices is, are you proud or disappointed? And you can be both. Absolutely. Um, 
because I certainly am. I was disappointed. Oh, and I got a great text message here, and this is something else I wanted to talk about, but uh, this uh, texter here, it's actually uh, Brett out in Selkirk, uh, is uh, asking or, or putting it out there for me. As soon as uh, the bombers were out, my wife says, well, I hope we have a parade or something. And I thought, well, sure, yeah, that, of course. What did I say? I said, bombers? Sorry, I meant jets. Yeah. Did, well, although, maybe we should have a parade for the... Well, I guess we should wait and see if they win the cup. Then we'll have a parade for them. Uh, but I, I said bombers, I meant jets. Uh, here's what Brett out in Selkirk said. Hey, Hal, great to hear you on OB. As a Manitoban outside the perimeter, this has been a great ride for most of us in the province. It really brought us together on a big stage. I agree, Brett. Absolutely. I think there should be a whiteout parade, Hal in appreciation of the team that brought us all together. The team really did bring, We listen, we're already a pretty tight bunch, right, in Winnipeg and Manitoba, I think. But I agree, Brett. This team has really brought us together in a different way. And I think a whiteout parade is a fantastic idea. And I have a feeling they're probably working on something right now, but if they're not, here you go. Brett in Selkirk has a great idea, a whiteout parade in appreciation of, of this team, which brought us all together. Uh, Brett goes on to say, I would estimate a parade would be larger than had we won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, probably in another city is Brett's point. So I like the idea. A whiteout parade. Brett, thank you for the text message. Appreciate it. 204-780-6868 if you would like to weigh in. And I'll tell you what. I'll uh, read your text messages. I appreciate your text messages, but let's get the phone calls going. 204-780-6868. You can call that number and have a conversation. So tell me all about it. Are you uh, proud? Disappointed? What was your highlight, maybe? I'll tell you, for me, and I'm not a big hockey guy, uh, I really enjoyed it. And, And I know that next year I will definitely be paying more attention to the Jets early on. Absolutely, I will be. And keep those votes coming at cgob.com as well on the question of the day for credit aid. The question, Winnipeg Jets have been eliminated from the playoffs. Now what? 78% so far say it was a fantastic run. We have nothing to complain about. 16%, it's too bad, but we'll get them next year. And then uh, 6%, I guess, if I do the math here correctly, because there are some decimal points and stuff like that there. But if I try and simplify it here, I guess it's 6% saying this sucks. I'm jumping off the bandwagon. I guess you're always going to get some of those, but I I really uh, hope that if you were not a big Jets fan before, like me, you're becoming a bigger Jets fan and you're really going to follow the team. And and when Greg Mackling joins us a little later on on the show, and we talk a bit more about this at about 215 We'll get into uh, what the team is going to look like next year because it's not going to be the same team, right? We're going to lose some players. We're going to gain some players. It's not going to be the same team. And uh, I don't know if you heard any of the uh, post-game comments from Coach Paul Maurice, but uh, he uh, sort of said, sure, there's always next year, but what does next year bring? Who knows? You know, we we have a, one of the, the team that eliminated us from the playoffs is an expansion team. You know, so yes, it. I think experience in the playoffs matters, but how much? 
Sometimes not very much, obviously. But uh, anyway, it was, it was truly a great run. It really has been uh, a fantastic run, and it's been a lot of fun. So I would love to hear your comments. Text 204-780-6868. Call 204-780-6868. And you can also email me. My inbox is always open, hal at cjob.com. Quickly, let me take a look at what today is. Today is Buy a Musical Instrument Day. Hmm. It's Canadian Immigrants Day today. It's Harvey Milk Day today, International Day for Biological Diversity, Maritime Day, Sherlock Holmes Day, and it's also World Goth Day. And we'll uh, run down some stuff from today in history. I was noticing, you know, all these shows they're bringing back, a couple of shows, well, one at least, that I guarantee you they should never bring back. It was a spinoff. Do you remember The Ropers? (laughs) The Ropers was a spinoff from Three's Company, and it last aired on TV on this day, May 22nd, 1980. The Ropers. Don't bring that one back. That's one you do not want to bring back. But they are bringing back a lot of show. And then, we'll talk more about this later on, I see that the Obamas, Barack and Michelle, sign a big deal as producers with Netflix. That's what. That's the gig I want, where you just go, hey, why don't we do a show about, and I guarantee you that'll be the extent of their involvement, and they get this big deal now with Netflix, their producers at Netflix, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. We'll talk more about that later on, and of course, always, whatever is on your mind. The news at 1.30 with Savannah Pierce is coming right up. Today, mainly sunny and a high of 29. Tonight, partly cloudy and a low of 12. Wednesday, mainly sunny and a high of 30. And on Thursday, cloudy, a good chance of showers and a high of 29. Right now, it is 27 degrees outside 680 CJOB. And now back to Hal Anderson. Thank you very much. Savannah Pierce in for Tristan Field-Jones. 133 at CJOB. Coming up before the news at 2 o'clock when Savannah will join us again. Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, will be here. He saw Deadpool 2 on the weekend, so did I, number one movie. Uh, if you saw it, let me know what you thought of it. 204-780-6868. We'll share some of your comments. Hal at cjob.com. All right, let's uh, continue the conversation around the Jets. They're out of the playoffs, but, man, what a run, and what a bunch of great parties in downtown Winnipeg. Stefano Grande, the CEO of the downtown Winnipeg biz, joins us on the phone. Stefano, thanks a lot for doing this. Hi, Al. So, um, I mean, it would have been nice uh, to have a couple more uh, whiteout street parties, but, boy, you can't really complain about anything, eh, Stefano? Just a a great run. None at all. You know what, True North and uh, Kevin Donnelly, the leader over there, just knocked this out of the ballpark. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm feeling really confused right now. A range of emotions from happy to upset and sad to proud and, and exhausted. My entire team is, is exhausted in terms of just being able to keep up with the number of events that have been occurring. But it's uh, it's something for our entire city, our entire province to be very, very proud of. And, and a huge shout out to the Jets organization. Top four is not bad, Al. Yeah, absolutely. Had we, I said this earlier, but if somebody had said, hey, how, how do you feel about uh, a Final Four going into the season? I mean, we would have taken that in a second, right? So oh, yeah, for to, sure. to accomplish that, that has been great. As well. 
What's that? <laughs> I'm sure many would have bet against you as well. Well, huh? yes, absolutely. And, you know, as they say, there's there's always next year. Hey, uh, Stefano, what did we learn from these street parties, do you think? You know, we learned when, you know, there's opportunities for downtowners and Winnipeggers to celebrate, they come. And, and the NHL street party was that opportunity. Uh, closed down a few streets, put up a few screens, and guess what? Tens of thousands of people show up. I think... Uh, you know, we also learned that the downtown is a safe place. We also learned that Winnipeg police services can rise to the occasion and be part of that partnership, that collaboration. That's so important. Along with transit and public works, uh, my hat my hat has to go uh, off to uh, those departments. Uh, just working on top of everything, uh, just working endlessly to make sure everyone's safe, everyone is is happy, and that we put on this world class event for all of North America to see. So. Uh, many, many lessons learned, but uh, the most important is, is how, uh, how collaborative and innovative we are as a community to really take advantage of this opportunity, the NHL playoff, playoff run. You know, you make a, a really good point there. Downtown gets dumped on a lot, and you said right at the start of that answer to my question, you know, we, we now know that Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg's downtown is safe. Uh, It's certainly as safe as as anywhere else, uh, but we have to also, I think, realize that there were a lot of people, and and they say there's safety in numbers. I I think that's an indication that maybe we have to work even harder and maybe double the effort to get more people downtown. Well, that's the end game, right? I mean, uh, with tens of thousands of people downtown, it's not like the crime went away. The crime was still there. The the social issues were still there, right? But because it's diluted, people perceive it to be different. And so really there's that psychology, right? Uh, And so how do we... You know, how do we continue in building this momentum? Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, we surveyed 100 of our business members, the ones involved in the food and drink, and they want this to occur on an annual basis. So, so how do we continue uh, this the street party? How do we do more? Like, uh, part of part of what we're rolling out uh, this summer is having three night markets in June, July, and August with more vendors, live entertainment, beer gardens, uh, farmers market in the evening. And we're also putting out almost $200,000 worth of funding to stimulate more events in our downtown. And, and the more streets that can be closed, the more, the, more, the more events will happen. So I think, you know, it just gives us the impetus to do more and keep going in the direction that we feel is appropriate for our community. And uh, would you have done, I mean, listen, I realize that you were just uh, one, you know, spoke in the wheel here with all that was going on downtown around the jets and stuff. And, did we did we learn maybe how to do things differently if there is a next time? Did we learn anything in, in that sense? Oh, absolutely! Uh, every single event, even the events that we put on uh, every single year for years upon years, there's always those learning moments. But everything just seems so seamless and perfect uh, behind the scenes. I can tell you, people were making decisions, collaborating, trying to find solutions, issues. Uh, on a daily basis, and many many people have, don't see that, and the fact that they don't just indicates how how, how seamless this has been. I think you know what uh, we we knew when the figures were to come down. When we look at Many Fest, which is our biggest uh, street festival party in the downtown, we closed down a few a few streets, at a farmers market, some concerts, some wine and beer, and guess what? Seventy thousand people show up over three days. If, mm-hmm. if anything, if anything, uh, what economic development Winnipeg and True North have learned is. Uh, Let's do more because people will respond, uh, especially when it's great. You know, a great reason like the NHL Jets. Yeah. Um, were you down for many of the uh, street parties, uh, Stefano? 
pretty much all of them, uh, one capacity or another. We've had over, uh, uh, you know, we have 200 volunteers over last month that have come in and out to support support the event, our watch volunteers, in addition to our 25 staff and our close to 15 uh, cleaning personnel. Uh, my team has uh, just really thrown down the gauntlet, uh, been there as a partner, uh, done everything that we can to ensure everything is safer and, and cleaner. And I've been so proud to be part of those uh, festivities, you know, shoulder to shoulder with everyone. I know Kathy Kennedy was talking with Economic Development Winnipeg on on her show, filling in for Jeff Courier today. And I know they say, listen, you know, it's going to be weeks before we can really put any kind of a dollar figure on what this meant to the downtown. I'm sure you're sort of in the same position, but can you share with us any even anecdotal stories about how what it meant to the downtown? I'm sure by the time uh, you know, by the time the sales are all uh, accounted for, uh, you know, we know based on our surveys that we've done so far, an increase in sales across the board for anywhere from 10 to 200 uh, percent. So that's huge. We know uh, we know 25 percent of those hundred surveyed uh, had to increase their staff just to keep up with you know uh, servicing the, the public. So uh, the numbers are, are there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, our, our liquor at Crown Court will, will give us an indication of how much uh, volume has been sold in the downtown over the last month. But uh, you know, part of it part of it is more than just sales as well. It's that vibe. It's that pride. Uh, every single time there was an event, whether it was on, on game night here in Winnipeg or uh, in another city, you just felt that vibe on our city streets. You just, you just saw it. It's something special that's difficult to replicate. And it's that vibe that, that takes things to the next level. And I think that, that has an economic uh, or community value on that as well. Hey, you mentioned uh, some stuff that's coming up downtown. Is that maybe, do we need to maybe spend more money if that's what it takes or or work harder to get more events downtown because you know it's kind of like the line you know if you build it they will come right i mean if we if we have more stuff downtown people will come check it out and and we've seen that certainly over the last little while here with the jets games absolutely and that's been part of our strategy over the last number of years is this building momentum on more festivals and events, things like the Medifest Festival, which is seven, eight years now into existence. You know, just institutional events like the Fringe Festival just keep growing and growing and growing. Uh, I'm sure many of your uh, many of your audience doesn't know, but Folk Rama is huge downtown. There's over six venues downtown. Our, our farmers market every you know every Thursday. Uh, doors open is coming up, coming May 26 and May 28 uh, this month. Uh, tens of thousands of people are going to be invited to see some of our historical buildings. And you throw on movies uh, every every you know every Wednesday in the summertime. And, uh, and his evening markets that we're planning for Graham uh, Avenue is going to be exciting as well. So uh, it's, it's trying to do more incrementally and find some different reasons uh, to get people to come downtown. Not necessarily, you know, 20,000 at a time, but we'll take that three, four, five, six thousand at a time as well. Uh, everything, everything helps to uh, really position our downtown as, uh, as, an emerging, as an emerging neighborhood. Well, Stefano, thanks for doing this. And again, great job. Thank you. And thanks for all your great work, Al. Thank you. Stefano Grande, CEO, downtown Winnipeg Biz. And Kathy Kennedy, I mentioned she was filling in this morning for Jeff Courier here on CGOB. She spoke with Matt Showbrook from uh, Economic Development Winnipeg. And here's what he had to say 
about the whiteout street parties we've been having downtown. I think that this is going to see dividends for our city for years and years, and it's something that we want to capitalize on. So at Economic Development Winnipeg, one of the things that we do is is try to attract uh, jobs and capital investment and tourists and uh, uh, people of all of all stripes to come to Winnipeg, invest in Winnipeg, be part of Winnipeg. And one of the first things that we have to do uh, whenever we have those conversations is sell Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, there in the past have been some some misconceptions about about Winnipeg, and we're not always necessarily the most positive cheerleaders for our own city. I think this changed that, and I think that people are, are taking a look and noticing Winnipeg in a different light in a way that uh, is showing that energy that we saw at those street parties. And that's going to help us. Uh, it's going to help us attract new business. It's going to help us attract uh, visitors. People might be looking at moving here because they want to be part of that excitement. And uh, we're going to be trying to capitalize on that. And we think that uh, the benefit of seeing this coverage that we saw all across North America, uh, really on on any number of, of media channels, uh, sports games, TV, Everyone was talking about Winnipeg and, and about the whiteout, and uh, that's going to be really, really good for our city. Matt Sherbrooke, Winnipeg Economic Development. Let me just read a couple of your text messages here, 204-780-6868, before we take a break. How good to uh, Robert uh, here. How good to hear you, I think, after taking the best team in the regular season to a Game 7 and a win, everything after that just drained them. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Coach uh, Maurice, uh, he didn't say that. I can't remember the word he used in the post-game comments. He said they weren't tired. They just weren't quite as sharp, you know. just They just didn't have that sharpness that they normally had. And, boy, I'll tell you, you know, after the trip they uh, took through uh, uh, Minnesota and then Nashville to get to a red-hot uh, Vegas team, yeah, it's just, just a, a great run. Uh, another one here, Hal Hockey. It was great to see the Jets make it so far in the playoffs. Even better to see uh, Reeves, a Winnipeg boy, score the winning goal in Winnipeg. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we'll give him that. We'll give him that. Uh, another one here, maybe the Jets, Hal, can visit rural centers in the province. Besides, there are many Jets fans out here. Just an idea about their season. Bravo in capital letters, proud of the whole team. Just a few of your text messages. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. You can text or call. Love to chat with you. And you could also email hal at cjob.com. 145, quarter to two. Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. All right, I'm going to talk about Deadpool 2 here in just a second. 150, 10 to 2. News, of course, at 2. Savannah Pierce in for TFJ. And Carolyn joins us on the phone. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Hi. I would like to say um, for the Jets, number one. I was down in uh, Las Vegas last week. Uh huh. And I tell you, it felt good to walk around. I had my white shirt on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get to the game, but, you know, it felt good when people said, where are you from? And I'm like, Winnipeg. I'm like, yay, yay. Yeah. No, we met some people there from Nashville. Mm -hmm. When I said Winnipeg, they were like, (laughs) I thought, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think we're all kind of, despite the fact they're out now, we're all, I think, walking around with our heads a little higher this morning. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think said, you're right. You know, we did good. I mean, yeah, I mm-hmm. know the players are probably disappointed, but yep. we did it, though. We you certainly yeah. did. Yep. Thank you, Carolyn. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks for the call. Uh, keep them coming. 204 780 6868. Hal at cjob.com. All right. We're going to talk about Deadpool 2 now, the number one movie on the weekend. Here's a clip. We getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. That right there is a clip from the trailer for Deadpool 2, the number one movie on the weekend. A movie that I saw and a movie that... You saw Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes. Did you like it? I did like it. It's uh, the Deadpool movies are fun. They're a little bit different at this coming. A little bit. The superhero movie (laughs) with being, you know, very, very R rated. Just if your little, if your 10 year old kid says, Mom, take me to see Deadpool 2, and you're like, superhero movie, yeah, let's go. Don't do it. No, no, no. Hopefully the box office people are watching for that sort of thing too. Yeah. But I mean, for this movie to do as well, and the first one too, for that matter, to do as well as they've done. Um, and you know, they are R rated says a lot that these movies are very, very popular. Yeah. It made 125 million in North America on the opening weekend and 300 worldwide. So Deadpool, the first one is the number one and Deadpool two is number two when it comes to wide releases for opening weekends for R rated movies. Yeah. Yeah. But still overall box office for R rated movies. There'll be two and three because the Passion of the Christ is number one. Oh, really? Yeah. But look at but you. But it didn't. It didn't open hard on the, that one weekend. It just yeah. kept stayed in theaters for four months. Or right, whatever, right. Right. So, right. Yeah. By the way, Couch Potatoes Saturdays at noon, Sundays at six, and of course iTunes, Google Play, and at cjob.com. Yep. You can find the podcast if you don't catch them here on CJOB. Um, I, and I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody, right. it was great. I loved it. By the way, did you guys rate it on the weekend, or no, we, you had not seen it yet? No, we'll, have, we'll talk more about it this coming weekend. Okay, so you'll give your, I'll, I won't steal your thunder here, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, but you liked it a lot. Yeah. I certainly liked it a lot. I, listen, it's it 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 pays, in my opinion, it pays a little too much attention to the fact that it's a movie and there's an audience. It, yeah. And you'll know what I mean when you see it, if you haven't already seen it. I don't know, for me, like, there were some funny lines, but I'm just kind of like, well, come on, let me escape for a couple hours here, right? Like, don't remind me that I'm sitting in a theater watching a movie. But That's it's very funny. It is. Yeah, and, and it's also that thing where the first time was maybe more exciting because we didn't know what to expect. And now, yeah. if you've seen the first one, yep. you'll go see this, you sort of know what to expect. I've had people, uh, Fiona Odlum was on the show last week. She says this one's better. My wife likes this one better. I don't like it as much, and I think because I've seen a lot of this before in the first one. Loses that wow factor. Kind of. The Lord of the Rings movies were like that. That first one has got, you know, sort of the least when it comes to action scenes or whatever. Yeah. But it's still by far my favorite because my jaw dropped the first time I saw it because we'd right. never seen anything like it before. Yeah, yeah. But it's still a great movie. Go and see it. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. couple of shout-outs to Canada <laughs> from Ryan yeah. Reynolds in yeah. the movie, which I actually thought was was very funny. Have we got any big ones coming up this coming weekend? Or Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, yes. Yeah. So right. Dead, Deadpool might only get that one week at number one. We'll see. Certainly, yeah. Uh, yeah it, Solo I mean, will, it uh, certainly will because there's, when is a Star Wars movie not open number one? I guess that's true. I'm kind of confused People with the are, Star Wars movies, and I'll tell you why. Lay it on me, man. I can answer Because some of them, I, are like, this is a full-blown Star Wars movie. 
And then some seem like they're sort of secondary stories and they're not the big deals that That's the what others this one are. Is. That's what this, this one is. This is a secondary it's one. It's a standalone movie. It takes place when Han Solo was a young man. Ah. So it's set before the events of the first Star Wars yeah. from 1977. Right. But you still think this will be a big opening. It still opening. says Star okay. Wars on the marquee. It's yeah. going to be a big opening. Okay. Yeah, I'm all confused. I, I'm kind of lost <laughs> in the whole Star Wars thing, but I understand it's a, it's a big movie. Jeff, thank you very much, sir. You bet. Everyone calm down, the pros are here, I, we're the X-Men. What are you doing? My job. You're the one who said I was ready, and I frankly disagree with you. But here we are, trying to overcome our differences. Like Beyonce says, please, please stop cheating on me. Hey, this is the fifth incident. This kid needs to be in the icebox, not here. Russell belongs in our care, not in prison. I assure you, we have everything under control. Not getting a real under control vibe here, Marty. It is Glenn, isn't it? Daniel. I'll ask the questions. Al Anderson on 680 CJOB. And now we go back to Hal Anderson. Thank you very much. Savannah Pierce filling in for Tristan Field-Jones, 204. Greg Mackling will join us. We'll talk Jets in a bit. Not just the hockey part of it, but the passion part of it and how great this team it did and and how fantastic it's made all of us feel. So Greg Mackling, the birthday boy, coming up here in just a bit. Tough trivia time right now. If you can answer the tough trivia question at 204-780-6868, you will win a gift card for some Santa Lucia pizza. Mm, mm, mm. Santa Lucia pizza for grabs today on Tough Trivia. All right, here's the question. Men who do this in the morning, on average... Live five years longer than men who don't. Men who do this in the morning, on average, live five years longer than men who don't. And please, please no inappropriate answers. All right? (laughs) I would not ask you a question that had an inappropriate answer, so don't answer inappropriately. 204-780. 6868 for Santa Lucia Pizza. Men who do this in the morning on average live five years longer than men who don't. Let's go to the phone. Hi, have you got a guess? Is it shave? Shave. I hate shaving. Not the correct answer, no. Hi, CJOB. Hi. Hi, have you got a guess? Flossing. Flossing. No, not flossing. That's not what we're looking for either. Hi, CJOB. Hi. Hi. Men who do this in the morning on average live five years longer than men who don't. Eat breakfast. Not eat breakfast, although that's a good one. Uh, good guess. Hi, CJOB. Hi. What about uh, brushing your teeth? No. we. Well, I, I was going to say we had that already, but we actually had flossing. But no, it's not flossing. Oh. It is not brushing your teeth. No. Hi, CJOB. Hi, Al. Hi. Would, would it be kiss their wife or tell their spouse they love them? Well, you got to pick one or the other. Tell your spouse you love them. you got to pick the other one. No, you give your spouse a big kiss. <laughs> yes, that's the right answer. Yes. Yay. <laughs> now, normally I would not accept two answers. You got to pick one, but I felt bad that you got one. <laughs> you know what happened there. Anyhow, yes. Uh, apparently, men who kiss their wife in the morning on average live five years longer than men who don't. Very good. What is your name? It's Gail. You have just won some Santa Lucia pizza. Good for you. Awesome. 
awesome. Yes, that is awesome. I'm going to put you on hold here, and we'll get you signed up for the Santa Lucia Pizza. We'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, again, uh, another tough trivia question for some more Santa Lucia Pizza tomorrow. All right? Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, like I said, we've got uh, Greg Mackling coming up here in a bit. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll uh, talk with uh, Greg Mackling about the Jets. I, I While we're talking about, uh, you know, what's good for you and what's not good for you, I see here that a new study says that looking young, you can stay looking young by exercising five times per week. Well, yes, of course. I'm not even going to read that. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, I believe that. Why would I even read that? Now, here's my kind of study. Taking your shoes off when you come home could help you lose weight. <laughs> now, that's my kind of study right there. This is uh, from the Daily Mail, and the story says, if you don't remove your shoes when you get home, you may want to start doing it. Many everyday products contain chemicals known as ob- obesogens, I guess. Yeah, obesogens which can meddle with our hormones and cause weight gain. Researchers at the universities of uh, Averro and Biero Interior reviewed several studies to determine where we come into contact with these things the most. They found the biggest sources of these contaminants are house dirt, diet, and using everyday products like kitchenware, cosmetics, or cleaning chemicals. And they say to avoid these chemicals, The scientists recommend buying organic food over processed products. We've heard that before. Avoiding synthetic cleaning products and removing your shoes when entering your home to avoid bringing these contaminants indoors from outside sources. Regularly vacuuming the home as well as wiping down furniture with a wet cloth cloth can stop the chemicals from accumulating indoors. So there you go. Take your shoes off when you get home. It might help you to lose weight. That is my kind of study. All right, let's take a break. We'll check the weather forecast here for you in a moment, and then we'll talk Jets with the birthday boy, Greg Mackling, coming up here. Hal Anderson on CJOB. I think there was a little change in attitude from Kim Jong-un, so I don't like that. That is Donald Trump. Apparently now there is a, quote, very substantial chance that Trump And Kim Jong-un will not meet on June 12th. That summit that was planned, North Korea has threatened to abandon the planned meeting over the U.S. insistence on denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. Speaking at the White House during a meeting today, the head of South Korea uh, told Trump that he detected a shift after Kim and the Chinese president met for a second time in China. So things not looking good now, or at least not right now, for that meeting between Trump and Kim Jong-un. Did you watch American Idol, the new version of American Idol? Here's how it went down. After the nationwide vote, the winner of American Idol is... Matty Poppy. Congratulations, Matty. Matty Poppy, the big winner. Here's a bit of the song. This is her uh, first thing. You know, and I'm not going to play the version where she comes out all in tears because she just won and she can't sing the song properly. This is her song. This is her in a studio singing the song. It's called Going, Going, Gone. I'll give you about a minute here of the winner of American Idol, Matty Poppy. She sounds good. Oh, 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 o
Going, going, gone. Maddie Poppy, the winner of American Idol. I did not watch. I used to really be into American Idol. Just, nope. I lost interest toward the end of the original uh, series and just not into the new one. But, uh, you know, if you're uh, into it, good. Another uh, music show on TV. Just doesn't do it for me anymore. All right, as promised, we're going to talk to Greg Mackling now from Mackling and McGarry, the morning show here on CJOB, about the Jets. Um, We'll start, before we talk here, we'll start with a clip of uh, Coach uh, Maurice talking about what's going to happen for his team next year. Coach Maurice, take a listen. Well, it's an interesting phenomenon. We have Stanley Cup champions that fail to make the playoffs the next season. And and because of that, I mean, that's that's the, the message. There's nothing permanent, nothing given. And your season prior uh, doesn't guarantee you anything the next year that, that you get comfortable of starting back at ground zero with everybody else. Uh, and the fact that that you can miss also means that you can win. So um, I know where you live. I know what you're, what you're thinking about. Um, so I would say there is no guarantee that, that I'm not saying that we arrived because we didn't we didn't get to the place that we wanted to. So we have to go back and get stronger, uh, more mature in our game, um, so that we are preparing ourselves uh, for this event again. But certainly not waiting till we get here to be good. You know, we'll just I think the idea that well we're a, you're a playoff team now because you were a playoff team last year and then things will be different in the playoffs. I think that's a foolish way to think. Our, our task now, rest first, recover, then start preparing, and then, and then we got to get in the fight to make the playoffs again. That is Coach Paul Maurice, Winnipeg Jets coach. Basically, Greg Mackling, no guarantees in life. You never know. I mean, you know, we're, we're hopeful that next year will be exciting for us uh, because we had a great run this year, but you just never know. If you base this year on what happened last year, it would be the Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton fans right. that were having street parties mm-hmm. well into May. Well, they didn't even make the playoffs this year. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Penguins, a lot of people looked at them as a favorite for the Stanley Cup, along with the Nashville Predators, who have been golfing for a week and a half already. Yeah. So uh, Paul Maurice is absolutely correct. There are no guarantees. You don't... You don't walk into an NHL season and gain your place based on merit. Mm. As he mentions in that clip, the whole idea that, well, then I guess the most veteran-laden team would then automatically be in the playoffs. And, of course, that's not how it works. No, yeah. So the question that I'm asking at 204-780-6868 and Hal at CGOB.com today is, are you proud or are you disappointed? Is it okay to be both? I guess it is, yeah. You know, because you, as the narrative changes, mm. as you make your way through these things, like any relationship, right? Yeah. So you go out on a first date and mm. you're a little, there's a little trepidation. Uh, what is this person going to think of me? You know, what is, yeah. what are they going to look like? Uh, are we going to mesh? And then as things grow, the expectations change. Yeah. And uh, you know it, Hal, uh, and certainly I know it, uh, you go from engaged to when's the wedding and you don't even have time to switch out of your tuxedo and people are asking you when you're going to have kids <laughs> right. and then you have kids are you having more it's yeah. like oh whoa yeah. whoa whoa right. and it's the same sort of thing i think that we experienced with this run of the jets as they progressed yeah. deeper into the playoffs and the number of teams competing now all of a sudden shrinking the spotlights on your team mm-hmm. you started to have this belief that perhaps the jets were a team of destiny i don't really like that turn of phrase however we may have run up against 
against a team of destiny in the yep. Vegas Golden Knights. And I mean, their goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury, what can you say about how he played in yeah. the series? Uh, some players on the Jets, uh, Patrick Alaine, Nikolai Ehlers, some of their younger players that they depended on for scoring throughout the season didn't have the best playoffs Ehlers didn't have a game a goal at all mm-hmm. in 17 games yeah. uh, Adam Lowry didn't manage to to bulge the twine not to sound cliche uh, but you know what how can you argue with what they did? Yeah. I mean, it, it it brought together, it captivated not only our city, mm-hmm. uh, not only our country, but across North America, people paid attention to what was going on here. And I think that's the underlying story. The takeaway for me is how it, it brought us together and how I know people don't like this. Sometimes it put Winnipeg on the map and, yeah. and, and, and nothing uh, wrong with that though. Absolutely nothing no. wrong. And with you know that. what else it did? It won over some more fans. It certainly won me over. You know, to think uh, even a few months ago, if you would have said, Hal, you're going to get your Jets, your brand new Jets t-shirt on and sit down and watch the game with your wife every night, right? I would have said, you're crazy. I'm not a big hockey guy. But I think next year, now listen, I may not be checking out every game, but I'm definitely going to be more interested during the season next year. And that's a good thing. A hundred percent. And you know what? There was that phenomenon somewhat in 2011, 2012, the first season back, people that I knew that I didn't even know knew what hockey was, Mm. were, were planning their family events and their dinners and their social occasions around the jet schedule. And I think we'll start seeing more of that again. Like, I mean, if you thought... If you thought this hockey team was popular six years ago, oh, wow. you ain't seen nothing yet, no. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe, you know, once again, nothing's guaranteed, but this may be and ought to be the start of mm-hmm. something very big over the next three, four, five years, although the Jets have some contracts and well, some players and they that's need to where sign. I, and that's where I want to go next, because this team is not going to look the same next year. No, Talk it's a not. bit about that. Well, you know, they have some restricted free agents, to be sure, and those are players, for those that are unfamiliar with how free agency works, you have sort of two essential levels of free agent. One is a restricted free agent, which means that you're so, somewhat obligated to sign with with the home team the team that drafted you and that has developed you and so the, the the home team in this case the jets gets the right of first refusal you know someone wants wants to come sniffing around jacob truba as an example there's a heavy price price to pay in terms of compensation that would come back to the Jets if another team decided they wanted to try and sign Jacob Truba. An unrestricted free agent means you can go wherever you want. Mm. Paul Stastny, uh, the key acquisition the Jets made at the trade deadline from St. Louis, he finds himself as an unrestricted free agent on July 1st, free to go negotiate with whoever he wants. Uh, Toby Enstrom is an unrestricted free agent. He's a player that a lot of people anticipate will not be back with the Jets unless it's at an extreme discount. He made a over $5 million this year. They can't afford to keep him at $5 million per season. Connor Hellebuck, their star goaltender, played for under a million dollars or around a million dollars this year. He's due for a big raise. Adam Lowry, I mentioned him we get another earlier. Year, we get another year of line eight cheap though, right? Yeah, yeah. about $3.75 million <laughs> cheap. But then that comes with another uh, question mark. Uh, Blake Wheeler has yeah. one year left on his 
current contract. So there are lots of decisions to be made for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the ownership group and management. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a short summer and a very interesting one to be sure. Yeah, the timing of this for me is not all that bad because you know what? <laughs> now we, are now we focus on the bombers, right? Yep. I mean, you, you and Doug have already done two bomber podcasts. You can find them at cjob.com, Google Play, and iTunes. Uh, you know, main camp is underway. We, eight days. We're eight days from the I first know. preseason game, right? So the timing, you know, if we're looking for silver linings here, <laughs> the timing's not all that bad. And uh, listen, it's been a lot of fun, and thanks for your – I've really enjoyed your passion. You love this team. You I loved point, 1.0. You love 2.0. And now I think a lot more people are going to be going into next year loving this team a lot more. People that maybe didn't even really care – now they do. And I just want to emphasize what I love the most, as much as I love the hockey and the success of the team on the ice, yeah. it's how it genuinely brings friends, family, our community together, yeah. how it puts Winnipeg on that lar- larger stage. It's about that crest on the front. It's mm-hmm. about the Winnipeg. Yeah, Stastny, Line, yeah, Wheeler, yeah. Shifley, that's all great, and I mm-hmm. cheer for those guys uh, as long as they love Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. As soon as they move on, they're yeah. dead to me, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it is all about our community, and that was really highlighted over the last several weeks. Winnipeg, you did yourself so proud and pride is such a big factor in all this. I know we're proud of Winnipeg. Sometimes we're reluctant to to show it, we had no such reluctance over the last few weeks. On and off the ice. Correct. On and off the ice. Absolutely. And around the world. Here and around the world. You got it, Hal. Yeah. Happy birthday, by the way, sir. Thanks, Hal. And welcome to the welcome to the family. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I kind of, like I said, I, I may show a lot more interest in this team next year, and I don't think I'm the only one, and that is not bad. Uh, we leave with another clip. Heading to a break here. This is Coach Paul Maurice on the lessons learned by his... Winnipeg Jets this season. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll talk to the players, but individually, each one of them is going to have an assessment of their game and, and how good they were and how uh, how they played. And the question was, are you there? I mean, have you have you gotten yourself to a level that you can be a driver in the playoffs? And um, I mean, you, there's going to be a long list of guys that you'll have video evidence uh, one as hockey games, and, and we're right there. And then we'll have some players that have to get better, and that's that's what playoff experience is, is we won't be having those conversations. We hope next year when the first game happens, whether it's at home or it's on the road, we will have the big bulk of this team will have lived it, know what to expect. And that guarantees you just about nothing because we beat one of the most veteran teams in the league in the first round and certainly a fairly anointed team in the second round and got, and got beat by an older team, but an expansion team. So there's, there's again, there's nothing permanent in this game. And you're required to pay the price and work next year in its own year. And, and what you did last year, certainly that experience is there, but, but the puck drops and the game's played. And uh, if experience was the, was the key piece to all of this, then the oldest, most veteran team would win every year. Hal Anderson. Hal Anderson. CJOB. And now back to Hal Anderson. Oh my goodness, Savannah, I got to tell you what just happened. (laughs) So first of all, you're filling in for TFJ, right? Which takes me back to Hal Anderson weekends, Mm -hmm. the original three, you, me, and Austin Saragusa. Did you see who just came in and sat down and said hi to me? I did. Austin Saragusa. The one and only. In the building. He blessed us with his presence. Then... I go to the phone, it's Phil, who used to call us every weekend, and you know who just called? Donna in Selkirk. I still talk to Phil and Donna 
frequently. I'm sure on the weekends you do. I yeah. do. All we're missing now is Clan the Boy Craig. That's true. Yeah, I have to buy him a radio. He uh, the Did deal. Did he have is, an issue? Well, the deal is he's working during the week, so it's hard. He's not at home, uh. so he needs a good radio. So the deal is I got to buy him a good radio with headphones and stuff, so he can listen in the tractor. And stuff. Does he not have a cell phone that plays the radio? I don't know. This is you know Clan the Boy Craig. <laughs> He's just trying to get a free radio out of me. That's all. And for some reason, I, I agreed and offered to pay for one. So He strikes me as someone with an old Nokia brick phone. <laughs> yes, probably. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Or a flip yeah. phone. One mm, or the other. Mm. <laughs> all right, uh, Savannah, thank you very much. We'll talk to you in a bit. We're going to go out to Brandon in a bit as well. Global News reporter Nikki Judy is out there after that big fire. And I noticed that uh, Bear Clan, very involved in helping out in Brandon after that fire. The leader of Bear Clan uh, joins us on the phone now, James Fable. Good afternoon, James. Hi, how are you? Great. Well, we uh, have talked a few times, and uh, again, I, I just wanted to get you on and talk a little bit about Bear Clan. It, it seems like your organization is really, wherever help is needed, it is there. And, and the latest incident uh, or proof of that, I guess, is out in Brandon after this fire. Yes, sir. Yes, it's uh, it's really quite remarkable how uh, the organizations organizations since 2016 we had 100 volunteers and we're in one community here in Winnipeg and now we're in like 28 communities from uh, Montreal to Vancouver. Wow! Did you ever yeah. think that someday Bear Clan would be that big and helping that many people? That was never never part of the plan. You know, I was worried about my North End community here and the people that were living next door to me, kind of thing. That was my primary focus. But what, uh, what's come of this has is, is been really quite remarkable. It, it so far has been a real grassroots operation. I imagine you want to keep it that way, eh? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, we are incorporated now as a nonprofit here in Winnipeg. But, uh, but yeah, we're still very close to our community. Mm-hmm. And you said 28 communities now? Yeah, 28 communities from uh, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver all the way over to Montreal. I, I was just up in OCN, uh, Pasquia Cree Nation, last week. We're going to start a chapter up there. Um, yeah, and we've got like I think eight chapters alone in Ontario. Wow! And I'm sure you're getting more requests all the time. Always, yes. Yeah. When people yeah. call you, when a community calls you, or somebody in a community calls you and says, "We want to set up Bear Clan in our community," why? What's the biggest reason? Well, you know, there has been some confusion with people calling the you know Neighborhood Watch and Cop program. That's a community on patrol. Citizen Patrol kind of program. Those ones are focused on property, garages and cars and stuff like that, broken windows. Um, we are an organization focused on people. So that's why we always have to make that, that clarification when we have those conversations. But, you know, so long as the community is, is interested in that, we, we give the policy procedures, uh, constitution, bylaws, all those kinds of uh, startup documents. We give that free of charge. And, you know, they're, they're able to work with them, change them to fit their community's need. And then they pick it up and go. Hmm. And uh, talk a little bit about what Bear Clan is doing in Brandon after that devastating fire in the downtown. Well, Tammy Hossack is the, the, the head of that, that branch of the organization down there, and they're doing wonderful work. And as soon as the, the fire started, they right away started with the donation drive. And I think they were, she said that they were only active for about an hour, and then they were inundated, and they had to shut it down because they had so much stuff they couldn't deal with it all. Wow. Isn't that yeah. something, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and nice uh, to see the community's response, you know. Absolutely, yeah, and that's what this is. As you said, Bear Clan is about people, both uh, you know, people needing help and people wanting to help. I guess. Yes, absolutely.
Yeah. Well, I just wanted to get John for a couple minutes and, and again, just tell you, great job. Keep it up. And uh, it was just, I thought, interesting to see that after that uh, fire, that terrible fire in Brandon, Bear Clan was there helping. And uh, and I just think you're doing great work, James. So keep it up. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, that is uh, James Fable, the leader of Bear Clan. Bear Clan, uh, as he said, in 28 communities now from, uh, what did he say, Montreal to Vancouver. And in Brandon, they're helping after that devastating fire in the downtown area on the weekend. Global News reporter Nikki Judy in Brandon. We're going to talk to her in just a bit. We'll take a break and come back and talk to Nikki Judy about after uh, that fire out in Brandon, how the community is uh, coping after that blaze. Hal Anderson on CJOB. And at 2.43, Global News reporter Nikki Judy joins us on the phone now from Brandon. We've been hearing your updates on the radio here uh, as we go along today, uh, Nikki, and we're going to watch for your update on Global News Television tonight at 6 o'clock. Give us the latest, please. So, Hal, you know, it's been three days since that series of devastating fires swept through downtown Brandon. Parts of the fire zone on Pacific Avenue are still, um, you know, being barricaded because these buildings are in are, are basically destroyed. There's lots of, you know, wood in the air. I'm sorry, there's lots of wood on the ground. There's lots of embers still kind of flying around. There's people monitoring the areas. Fire crews are still out there to make sure they don't flare back up. We actually just left the Brandon Bear Clan. Now, this is an organization that's been collecting, you know, donations for the evacuees. About 175 people have registered as evacuees here in Brandon. They were, you know, mainly living in the Massey Manor, which is an apartment complex near the fire zone. Now, that apartment complex was evacuated because, you know, the building started to to, to go on fire on the roof. You can actually see damage on their roof. Now, the building is still there, but there's a lot of water damage there. So that's why the evacuees are out. They're actually staying at a local hotel here. And, you know, they're coming into the Brandon Bear Clan and kind of picking up clothing and other necessities that they need to kind of get by and get back on their feet. Right. We were just actually talking to the leader of Bear Clan, James Fable, and he was telling us about the work that the organization uh, is doing there in Brandon. Obviously, a, a good chunk of the town, town, uh, downtown in the city of Brandon uh, is now gone. That's going to have to be rebuilt and, and developed all over again. But r- really, I guess the big story right now is the people that have been displaced by these fires. Definitely. Like I mentioned a little earlier, about 175 people have registered as evacuees. That's a lot of people here in in the city of Brandon. We were just speaking with the mayor a few minutes ago, and, you know, they're trying to find them long-term kind of permanent housing, as it would be. um, be, But he was saying that the vacancy rate here is low, so it's not going to be an easy task to find these people, you know, permanent housing. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the Massey Manor itself, like I mentioned, there's a lot of water damage there. There is damage to the roof because of the fire. But structurally, they're going to be looking at the building to see if there's something that can be salvaged there, if they can just kind of fix it up and maybe people can go back to their homes. But that's still a long ways away. Yeah. And I, I imagine if they can't salvage what's left, uh, I, I doubt that they would be able to make it affordable housing uh, like what was there if it's uh, new construction. I think that would be a bigger challenge, which obviously is is why they're sort of hoping they can maybe salvage some of what is there. Have we heard anything about a cause or a damage estimate yet? 
So that is actually what fire officials and other city officials are working on today. They're going to be, if they have to, you know, sift through the rubble and, and find the cause. Uh, the fire started off at Christie's uh, office supplies, and then it kind of spread from there. So it could take us a few days to find out what exactly sparked this massive blaze, but that's what investigators are doing right now. And as part of that investigation, that's when they're going to kind of tally the damage estimate. But the mayor was saying to me that it's definitely going to be in the millions. Yeah. Well, I guess the good, if there is good news here, it's that uh, nobody perished in the flames. I guess that would be the good news here, Nikki. Definitely. No one was hurt, you know, uh, while the fire was burning, even the firefighting crew here, you know, it's a small crew here, but they, they're fine. They're kind of resting, you know, getting the, just, you know, getting back to where they need to be because it was a few days of really hard firefighting. And, you know, even speaking with the fire department here, they were saying that this is the first time they've had to call for other resources to back them up in the city of Brandon's history. That's how massive this fire was. And the crew here, there's about 10 people on the firefighting service here. So Mm -hmm. just imagine 10 people trying to fight this massive fire. It just wouldn't have happened. And without the extra resources, this could have been much worse. If the wind was even just a little stronger, it could have been very, very, very bad. Yeah. Nikki, thanks for your help. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Al. Nikki Judy, Global News reporter. Again, watch for her report tonight on Global News Television at 6 o'clock, and you'll hear her as we go along this afternoon here on CJOB. This morning, Mackling and McGarry had an eyewitness on from the fire. I'm sure you've seen some video online of this fire. It's incredible. Like, it was a huge fire. Devron Ross was on with Mackling and McGarry this morning talking about what he saw as he watched a big chunk of downtown Brandon burn to the ground. You know, I was uh, about 100 yards away from the Christie's fire um, as it was just really get go- getting uh, started, and it was uh, uh, amazing, unforgettable. And you, the, uh, the flame, the, the heat that you could feel. Now, Christie's was a 138-year-old five-story warehouse uh, along the tracks in Brandon on Pacific Avenue, um, the flames were another five stories above that. Um, it was a wall of fire, and you guys are right. Um, the wind, the heat, um, if the wind had been just a little bit stronger, we could have lost half of downtown Brandon. It was when there were a number of small explosions at Christie's, and then there was one really big one that was, near. I would say, identical to when you hear a royal salute when they use the howitzers. And that one sent debris and ash and flame in the air uh, hundreds of yards up in the air. And it was just coming down on everybody and everything. Uh, And it was in flames, and it ended up landing on other buildings. And um, uh, the beer vendor at uh, Fifth and Rosser caught fire. It was, I'll tell you, one of the most amazing things about this, this fire is that for years and years, when there's been a fire in a rural community outside of Brandon, the Brandon Fire Department has sent trucks to help. But on Saturday afternoon, when I'm standing there with a lot of people watching this fire at Christie's, and the Brandon Fire Department had every piece of equipment they had pouring water on that fire, and they couldn't knock it down. It wasn't making a dent in it. And you're thinking, what are they going to do? Because Massey Manor, which is, a, 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 again, a five-story affordable housing complex right across the street. You could see the smoke starting to build up from under the roof. And Brandon already was using everything they had. There was no way they could fight that. And suddenly I'm standing there and you can hear sirens from the east and from the south and from the west. And you're thinking, where are these, where are these sirens coming from? Because all of our equipment is already on the scene. And 
Suddenly you see the fire trucks from CFB Shiloh come rolling up Rosser Avenue the wrong way, and they're tackling the fire at the, at the beer vendor. And there's trucks from Surus, and there's trucks from Wawanisa. And it was the most, in my entire life living here in Brandon, I've never seen the rural communities come to our aid. But I'm telling you, if they hadn't been there, we could have lost half of downtown Brandon. It was amazing. They arrived right on time, right when we needed them. And um, we are extremely lucky that we didn't lose more um, buildings than we did. This is devastating uh, in downtown Brandon. This would be the equivalent of losing at least a full city block in Winnipeg, if not two or three. And um, it is uh, if the wind had been just a little bit stronger, if it had changed direction, even the extra assistance we received would not have been good enough. I mean, there was a point about 2.30 in the afternoon when the city of Brandon sent out tweets and, and messages asking people in the, the homes just on the edge of downtown to get their garden hoses out to protect their home. That is uh, eyewitness to that fire in Brandon, Devon Ross this morning with Mackling and McGarry. We uh, told you earlier that uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, meeting with the leader of South Korea now says there's a pretty good chance that this meeting with Kim Jong-un of North Korea will not happen Donald Trump, I'm not sure if you've heard this story or not, but he has also worked up about possible FBI spies in his 2016 campaign. Trump saying it would be a disgrace if it's true. Take a listen. The president's been tweeting about conservative theories that the government spied on his campaign and is now speaking out. That would be a disgrace to this country. That would be one of the biggest insults that anyone's ever seen, and it would be very illegal. GOP Congressman Andy Biggs takes it further. It's a scandal of our time, scandal perhaps of our lifetime. He's among conservative House Republicans demanding a new special counsel look into potential misconduct at the Justice Department and FBI over the Russia probe. But House Speaker Paul Ryan is not committing to letting their resolution get a vote, saying the Justice Department's already told its inspector general to investigate. Sagar Magani at the White House. It really is interesting watching this Trump White House, and, and I'm not saying anything about Trump because I know there are Trump lovers out there and Trump supporters out there. But really, you know, you might go a week before you would hear anything of significance, you know, in the news about President Obama, say, or, you know, in the White House. But with this president, every day it seems like there's another five or six headlines. Really, it's uh, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, so we'll keep an eye, obviously, on what happens with that uh, summit. Will it uh, happen? And uh, is there any truth to these uh, reports and allegations that there were FBI spies inside the Trump campaign as uh, the Mueller investigation into ties to Russia continues? A couple other stories here. Well, I have a minute or two that caught my eye today. It took a judge's intervention, but a 30-year-old upstate New York man will finally be leaving home. Take a listen. 30-year-old Michael Rotundo refused to move out of his parents' home near Syracuse, New York, so his parents took him to court to get him out. Now a judge has ruled he's got to go. In court documents, Mark and Christina Rotundo claim they had given their son five written notices, telling him he must leave the house immediately, saying he refused to contribute to household expenses or assist with chores, even offering Michael $1,100 to find another place. But Michael said his parents' demands were retaliatory, and they didn't give him reasonable time to vacate. The judge credited Michael for his legal research, then ruled he must move out. 
Linda Lopez, ABC News. 30 years old, and his parents had to take him to court to get him to move out. There you go. Uh, we talk quite a bit about studies of different types, right? I had one earlier that I was telling you about. Well, another new study says eating an egg a day could help your heart stay healthy. Forget what you might have heard about cholesterol in eggs. That's old news with researchers now saying what you eat is not the main driver of high cholesterol. And one egg per day, that could help keep the cardiologist away. So say researchers in China who studied more than 500,000 people for four years, they found those eating an egg a day carried a lower risk for cardiovascular disease and strokes. They didn't look into what happens if you eat more than one egg a day. The research focused on 30 to 79-year-olds who didn't have prior battles with cancer, heart disease, or diabetes. Scott Goldberg, ABC News. There's a guy they call the king of the commode. That's what they call him. King of the commode. And apparently he is seeking an heir to his thrones. Here's the story. When in Alamo Heights, Texas, you must stop by to see Barney Smith. The king of the commode. Barney is a retired master plumber. The 96-year-old has a garage full of treasures. I've got a thousand... 350 toilet seats. Decorated with things like license plates, and there are historic treasures. This is Saddam Hussein's piece of toilet out of the green zone. Barney Smith not only has a museum of commodes, he offers words of wisdom. If I would just read my Bible as many hours as I spent on my toilet seats, I'd be a better man. After rejecting <laughs> countless offers to sell, Smith is looking for a buyer. But it has to be someone willing to keep the collection of toilet seats Intact. I'm Ed Donahue. Oh, brother. I'm going to collect toilet seats. Yes, that's a great idea. Collect toilet seats. Sure, why not? And one more here before we have to break for the news at 3. By the way, coming up after 3, Michael Keaton gave a commencement speech, and you're going to love this. I'm going to have that for you after the news at 3. All right? But right now, Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre says he went to rehab three times to fight dependence on painkillers and alcohol. Brett Favre told Sports Illustrated he took as many as 14 Vicodin at one time during the 1995 season with Green Bay. He won the first of his three consecutive MVP awards that season. The Hall of Famer said his issues with pills caused him to spend 28 days at a center in Louisiana. That was in the early 1990s. He also says he spent 28 days in rehab strictly for drinking in 1998. The story also mentions a previously reported 72-day stint in a Kansas City rehab center in the mid-1990s. That was to get off Vicodin. I'm Shelley Antler. There you go. A few stories that caught my eye today. Also coming up after 3 at about 3.25. Speaking of football and Favre, we have complete sports for you at 3.25. Savannah Piers, she'll have the news for you next. Thank you, Savannah. Savannah filling in for Tristan Field-Jones, who is uh, helping the boys produce the morning show. Mackling and McGeary here on CJOB. Do you remember, uh, Savannah, who gave the commencement speech at your graduation? Ew, no, I don't. <laughs> Was there somebody that actually gave a commencement speech? I don't know. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Probably. Yeah, I, I, It's much longer ago for me, but I can't remember either. Yeah, so, so I don't have feel no bad. idea. Yeah. It, this is the time of year when graduations start happening and they get yes. commencement speakers and stuff. Yes. So usually, well, I know Trudeau did one, uh, I think last week actually, Trudeau uh, gave one. Yes. And they usually try and get somebody well-known, right? Like right. a celebrity or Yes. One. So Michael Keaton went to Kent State. Michael Keaton, the actor, of course, and played Batman. Batman, sure. 
He and other rules and other <laughs> rules, of course. He gets up and gives the commencement speech at Kent State. I want to play the last couple of minutes and then uh, come, stick around because you're going to want to hear what he does after the end of the speech. But here's the last two and a half minutes of Michael Keaton's commencement speech at Kent State. Here we go. Don't ever live in your false self. Always live in your real self. Because the absolute freedom of not worrying about what other people think is indescribable and worth all the effort that you put into it. And one of the things that's going to happen to you as you try to make your way back to your authentic self is you're going to face something called humility. It's going to be one of the greatest things that's ever happened to you in your life. You're going to go through life at times thinking you're all that, and you're going to learn real quick you ain't. And humility is going to knock on your door one day. He's going to say, on your knees, son. And it's one of the best things that could ever happen to you. But don't give up the fight to find your authentic self, and don't quit. I'm looking at all these faces out here, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I see a lot of different looks. I've heard people talk about them and put them in the group and call them millennials. And you, To me, you all look like a bunch of individuals. You all look like people who don't want to be categorized, who don't want to be put in a group. And I've got a friend named John Mayer, who's a really good guy and a monster guitar player and a damn good writer. And he's got this song called Waiting for the World to Change. I hate that song. Because <laughs> I'm looking at it, you and your generation and your little brothers and your little sisters and those kids down in Parkland, Florida, and I'm thinking to myself, they ain't waiting for anybody. Don't you wait for anyone. You are the world. You are the change. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to be respectful, to respect yourself. Always think of the other guy, as my mom used to say. Be thoughtful. Honor decency. And fellas, be a gentleman. Be generous. Be fair. Be courageous. Be yourself. Peace. Michael Keaton. I thought he did a good job there. You know, he talked about humility, which I think is a really valuable lesson that we all learn at some point, and sometimes we learn it many times, right? And be a gentleman. I thought that was really good. So he did a great job, right? He, he This is his uh, the school he went to, Kent State. He sat down. They uh, got up and they called him up to accept a, a plaque. They gave him a plaque for giving the commencement speech. And that's when he had this to say. I've got one more thing to say, and it'll only take me a second. I've got two words that I want you all to remember. They're very important. And if I leave you with anything, I'm going to leave you with these two words. And those two words are, I'm Batman. <laughs> oh, crowd goes crazy. I'm Batman. Yes, he was Batman. And so I got thinking. She wonder what that would be like, right? If Batman gave the commencement speech at your school. Might be kind of an interesting speech. Thank you. Life is a journey with many obstacles. A sick parent, a job loss, 
the need to save your city from a deadly neurotoxin in the water supply. Stuff like that. And you'll also meet a lot of people who will ridicule you, laugh at you, and then tie you up and hang you upside down over a vat of boiling acid. <laughs> and sometimes life gives you seemingly impossible choices. Like, do you save your best friend from a room full of bombs? Or do you save your girlfriend in a room full of knives and swords? But maybe <laughs> if you save your girlfriend, your best friend may not die. He'll just be horribly disfigured and become evil <laughs> and spend the rest of his life trying to kill you. Yeah, right. And I'll just leave you with these two words. Where's Joker? <laughs> so there you go. I thought there were some valuable lessons in there. We'll take a break. It's 312. We'll check traffic and weather and be right back. Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. All right, 317, got a few minutes here to uh, remind you that today is Buy a Musical Instrument Day. Why would you buy one, though, if you don't need one? But it's Buy a Musical Instrument Day today, Canadian Immigrants Day, Harvey Milk Day, International Day for Biological Diversity, Maritime Day, Sherlock Holmes Day, and World Goth Day today. All right, a couple of uh, interesting happenings on this day in history, on this day, May 22nd. 1841, Henry Kennedy receives a patent for the first reclining chair. Hmm. The reclining chair goes back to 1841 on this day. 1849, another patent. Abraham Lincoln, who knew, got the patent for the floating boat dock on this day in 1849. In 1891, the first public motion picture show of a bowler is shown in Thomas Edison's lab to 147 people. First moving picture on this day, 1891. 1892, the very next year, the toothpaste tube is invented. Hmm, didn't know it was that old. 1907, Sir Lawrence Olivier is born. 1908, the airplane is patented by the Wright brothers. 1933, the Loch Ness Monster is first reportedly cited by John McKay. And I have a Loch Ness Monster story for you here in just a second. On this day, 1965, Ticket to Ride by The Beatles peaked at number one. Play a bit of that in the background as we go along here. 1967, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood makes its premiere on PBS. 1980, I mentioned this earlier. The Ropers aired for the last time on TV. Good riddance. It was a spinoff from Three's Company. It should never have been on the air in the first place. So bringing back all these shows, please never, ever bring back The Ropers. It should never happen. 1986, Cher called David Letterman an a-hole on Late Night on NBC. Remember that? The one that I remember was when Drew Barrymore got up on his desk and danced around and that she lifted up her shirt. Nobody saw anything, but Dave got the full show, if you know what I'm talking about. 1992, Johnny Carson hosted his last Tonight Show after 30 years. No guests on the show. Carson just showed his favorite clips from the show. 1996 on this day, Mission Impossible opened in theaters, and there's a new one coming up, and those are good Tom Cruise movies. I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy, but these impossible uh, Mission Impossible movies are really good. 2007. Apollo Anton. Apollo Anton Ono wins Dancing with the Stars. I think it's his birthday today, too, I think. 2011, a tornado 
devastated Joplin, Missouri. Winds of up to 250 miles per hour claimed 159 lives and destroyed about 8,000 homes and businesses. Philip Phillips is crowned the 11th American Idol winner on this day in in, uh, 2012. And one more here. 2015, Ireland became the first country in the world to legalize same-sex marriage by popular vote. So there you go. Let's look at today in history. Yeah, Anton Ono today is 36, Olympic gold medal speed skater. And he won uh, Dancing with the Stars on this day. Uh, Michael Constantine. He was Gus on Big Fat Greek Wedding, written by, of course, the Winnipeg in 91. Uh, Bernard Shaw, CNN newscaster. I think Bernard Shaw was the one uh, during the Gulf War that was under the desk, right? <laughs> Reporting for CNN under the desk. He is 78 today. Uh, Barbara Parkins, she was Betty Anderson on Peyton Place back in the day, 76. Bertie Topin, of course, uh, wrote songs with Elton John, 68 today. Uh, Michael Kelly is 49. He plays Doug on House of Cards. If you're a fan of that show, you know who I'm talking about. Naomi Campbell, 48 today. And one more here, Dan Roberts from the Crash Test Dummies. It's 51. Some dummies as we head to a break. Weather, sports, and news all on the way. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and caught and caught the school. But when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white. Said that it was from when the cousin smashed his soul. 